You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Jesus in his spirit went there after his sacrifice on the cross. He unlocked the keys to death and Sheol, and he led all those who died in faith into the very presence of the Father. And so now you go, but you don't go down to Abraham's bosom, but you still go. And now instead of the the trip being down, now it's up. And it appears to be angelic transportation provided. As a Christian, your day of death will truly be a day of celebration. The moment you pass, you'll be met by angels who will take you to heaven. There you'll meet your king and come to know the gloriousness of his kingdom. Today, Pastor Danny explores what your eternal life may be like. He looks to the Bible to find hints as to what can be expected and teaches you that it's sure to be something special. Life with God will be the existence you were created for. It's then that your purpose will truly come to light. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Philippians chapter 1 as he begins his message, An Unbelievable Future, An Unbeatable Attitude. Philippians is where we are, the book of Philippians, chapter 1. We have our own Bible reading plan here at the church. Uh, If you don't have a regular Bible reading plan as a Christian and and hopefully trying to read the Bible on a regular basis, you ought to try to read every day. You can get one of ours if you would like, either lobby on the way out or you can go online and get it on our website. And what we're doing right now, a little different, uh, we usually teach expositorily through every verse and every chapter of the Bible. But right now, we're pulling out a section from our weekly reading and teaching on that. We started Colossians in our reading today, but this past few days, we've been in Philippians. So I chose Philippians chapter 1, and I actually have two messages in one. And the encouraging thing with that is you don't need to give any other offerings to the Lord because you're getting two messages today and not just one. The Church of Philippi was started interesting way. And if you want to ever read that story of how it started, that's Acts chapter 16. Paul, the apostle and his missionary ministry companions are going different places to spread the gospel. And as they try to go a certain place, God closes the door. Then they try to go to another place. God closes the door. They try to go to another place. God closes the door. Then God gives Paul a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come over and help us in Macedonia. And so they conclude that God now wants them to go to Macedonia. They do. They go to Philippi, the leading city of Macedonia back in the day. And Paul's looking for an opportunity to share the gospel. There's not a Jewish synagogue there, so he doesn't go into the synagogue like he normally starts. He goes out to a river 
for a place of prayer. And he and his companions are there. There's some ladies there too. They began to share conversation with the ladies. Paul shares the gospel. One of the ladies' names is Lydia. She's a businesswoman from Thyatira. She believes the gospel, accepts Christ as Lord and Savior. She and her whole household become believers. She takes Paul and the ministry team over to her house, gets to know each other, and there's the birth of the church. Next person to get saved, a fortune teller. Paul and his companions, as they're traveling throughout Philippi, this fortune teller is following them and every day saying, these are servants of the most high God. They're telling you the way to be saved. But she's doing it mockingly. Paul gets tired of it, turns around, casts the demon out of the woman by which she's telling people's fortunes. Well, she'd been making her owners a lot of money. Now that the demon is cast out, business is not booming anymore. The owners get Paul and Silas arrested, beaten, thrown into the inner jail of Philippi. At midnight, they're singing and praying to God. God enjoys this so much, shakes heaven up, heaven shakes the jail up, foundations of the prison are shaken, doors of the prison fly open. The Philippian jailer thinks, I'm history because the authorities, as these prisoners escape, they're going to execute me because I'm responsible. He's about to kill himself and Paul says, don't do it. Nobody's running. We're all here. And then this dude says, what must I do to be saved? (laughs) You've come to the right prisoner. Paul shares Jesus with him. He and his whole family become Christians. They're baptized in the middle of the night. The church is growing. You have a fortune teller, a jailer, and a businesswoman. And they form the core, the beginnings of the church in Philippi. No doubt it continued to grow. And Paul, in his opening statements, chapter 1, here's what he says in verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your, and here's the word, partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Partnership in the gospel. The Philippian church became especially close to the apostle Paul for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons was he tells us in chapter four of Philippians as he closes the letter, he thanks the Philippian church for their financial gift to support him in his ministry. And he says, not that I was looking for a gift, but I was looking for fruit that may abound to your account. They were the first group, the first local congregation to regularly, financially support the Apostle Paul in his gospel ministry. So he thanks them for their partnership. This is near the end of the first message this morning. Thank you for your partnership. We're partners together as a local congregation. I'm not real good about remembering anniversaries. I try real hard to remember one every year, July the 26th. It's coming up. be 34 years. My marriage, most of them happy. But I remember this past week. It's our church anniversary. I've never been big on those kind of things. We don't do a, lot, a whole lot of hoopla. 
I've been pastor now for over 34 years, but this week is three years relaunching the ministry called Calvary Chapel Fellowship. I am amazed at what God's done in three short years. Here we sit in a facility that's looking better and better all the time, and it's completely paid for. We're a church, three years old, absolutely debt-free. Because of the collective offerings of God's people in this new work, we've not only be able to, been able to move ahead and do physical things like painting, et cetera, and pay cash as we go, and that's the intention with all the future renovation, cash as we go, we don't intend to borrow any money. But the board also has just approved, and I've been waiting, anticipating, looking forward to the day when we could say, here's a list of ministries, missionaries that we as a church are partnering with. So our ministry is expanding now because just this last week, we've officially begun financially supporting Young Life, brand new Young Life ministry in the area. One of our leaders, very involved in Young Life, and he's involved in helping plan a brand new work. They just brought in a young lady. I got to have lunch with her recently, Kelly Potts. And she's heading up the local Young Life Ministry to reach out to young people who are not involved in any churches in any way. Go to where they are. Go to where they hang out. Befriend them. Lead them to Christ. I can't wait for the fruit that's going to be born through the Young Life Ministry. Haven of Rest, our friend Pastor Lionel Cabral, who we go way back with, but he's been heading up the Haven of Rest mission locally. They're sharing the gospel daily. They're feeding hungry people and families daily. And now we're able to partner with them with a financial investment every month. New Life Solutions, the pregnancy center that's now grown over the years. I've always had a heart for their ministry. They're saving babies. They're saving souls because they're sharing the gospel as well as helping young pregnant women to not abort their children. Dan Schock, Christian Businessmen's Association. Zoe and Harold, who used to live on the campus here, God led him back to Uganda after a mission trip to Uganda, and now he's continuing ministry in Uganda. And guess what? Zoe just got married to a Ugandan young lady, and now they're a team. They're in Uganda. I'm so pumped. Nate, Kate, and his family, Nate's got about 2,000 kids of his own. That's an exaggeration, but they got a lot of kids. And they have a great ministry in Brazil, Citizens Church, new church plant up in Edmonton, Canada, discipleship support ministry right there in the slums of Nairobi. I've been there. I've seen the ministry firsthand, and they are training pastors in the slums. Psalm 139 Love, a ministry to Haiti that was birthed right here in our church. A couple right in our church that started just on their own. They both have jobs, and yet they started to go to Haiti, and now they have this tremendous ministry to Haiti called Psalm, called Psalm 139 Love. The whosoever's, Pastor Ryan Rees, going all over the place, sharing the gospel. My son gets to go with him. They're getting ready to go to Idaho. Guess what they're doing in Idaho? Skate park outreach. Right up my son's alley. Skating alley. The whosoever's. 
New Orleans Mission, brand new ministry. Guy from St. Pete is heading up the ministry in New Orleans. They're reaching people right on the street, drug addicts, alcoholics. They'll take them right from the street, right to an in-house facility. We were planning on going there. COVID shut that down. We will take a team there. You'll have an opportunity to go and volunteer in that ministry. Keith Wheeler Ministries, he's a guy that literally carries a cross. I thought he was weird until I met him. He's the real deal. He carries a literal cross and he goes all kind of places all over the world. He goes in war-torn areas where nobody else can go. And he's leading people to Christ everywhere he goes. Total of like $34,000 added to our budget to partner with these missionaries and these ministries. Can you give God thanks for that? Man. Woo. That was message number one. The second one's just a little bit longer, but don't worry. Philippians chapter one, go down to verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Paul's a prisoner of Rome. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It's true. Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Hard to believe, but it happens. But others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Now, why would somebody do that? Because they're jealous of Paul's ministry. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. God help me to have that attitude. Yes, and I'll continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I'll in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And he makes this amazing statement. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? Now stop there and think about this. It is mysterious, but it appears that at this point in Paul's life and ministry, God gave him an option. He could have gone home to heaven. Mysterious, but it makes no sense unless that were true. What shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. There are three points We're going to spend the majority of our time on the first point. So when I'm done with the first point, you'll know it's about time to go to lunch. Paul had a desire to depart. Twice in the text, he talks about being in the body and his departure would be leaving the body. So he's talking about his death. He says something similar in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
Listen to what he says. Verse 1, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, especially if you're older, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, talking about the body, we groan and are burdened, because we don't wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, it's God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we're always confident, now catch what he says here, we're always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Pause there for just a minute. Should be pretty basic, but I'm going to drive it home. Jesus, when he resurrected, resurrection body, 40 days, appears to his disciples, speaks of the kingdom of God, then stands on the Mount of Olives, and he ascends bodily back up into heaven. Bible tells us now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's physically in heaven. As long as you and I, as Christians, are here living in the body, and we're a trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit, we are spirit beings who possess a soul and live in a body. When this body dies, we leave the body, but we live on. We can't be with the Lord right now, but when we die, that's exactly where we're headed. Verse 7, we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer, would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. He says the similar thing here as he did in Philippians chapter 1. He would rather be dead bodily because when he dies physically and the body dies, he goes to be with the Lord. Whenever I think about this subject, I wonder what the transportation is like. When you leave your body, how do you go from here to be with the Lord? There are some scriptures that give us some tremendous clues, and they're not all the same. And the transportation is not all the same. For example, Jesus stood on the Mount of Olives, and he bodily just rose. No angels, nobody assisting him, but that's his resurrection body. If you've been with us in our study of Revelation, capital city of Revelation, new heavens, new earth, heavenly Jerusalem, 1,400 miles each way, up, down, side, side. Why? Because we're going to be like the angels. You can go this way, this way, this way, this way. Jesus, resurrection body, gone. In the rapture of the church, it's called, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, at the last trump, it says all the Christians who remain at the last trump, when the trumpet sounds, will be caught up. Fascinating. So Jesus seems to have gone on his own. At the rapture, we're caught up. But the normal mode of transportation to me appears to be angelic. Write down, and you can look if you'd like, Luke's gospel, chapter 16. Jesus tells the story of two men. One, we know his name, Lazarus. He was a beggar, but he died in faith, faith in the Messiah. He went to what was called Abraham's bosom because he couldn't go to heaven the normal believer, not go to heaven. You went to Abraham's bosom, place of comfort, 
until Jesus died on the cross. Another man, a rich man, he dies. He also goes down, but he goes to what we call hell. He's in torment. He's in the flames. Most of you know the story. Well, what I want to point out is in Luke chapter 16, when Jesus tells the story, it says in verse 22, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. The angels. Wow. What's the ride like? I don't know, but I'll bet it's fast. You have another clue back in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 2. The ministry of the prophet Elijah is in two parts, if I understand my Bible. The first part is concluded, but he doesn't die physically. God takes him to heaven. The second part, the Bible says Elijah is going to come back before the great day of the Lord. And it appears in Revelation, he's one of the two witnesses, and they end up, when their ministry is complete, being killed. They die martyrs' deaths. Either way, it's fascinating how Elijah went to heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Kings chapter 2, and you go down to verse 11. As they, Elijah and Elisha, his servant, who would take over his prophetic ministry after he's gone. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Are you guys here? Does that not excite you? When I put those two scriptures together, to me, they are tremendous clues that when the believer departs this body and it's clear that now to be absent from the body is not to go to Abraham's bosom. Jesus in his spirit went there after his sacrifice on the cross. He unlocked the keys to death and Sheol, and he led all those who died in faith into the very presence of the Father. And so now you go, but you don't go down to Abraham's bosom, but you still go. And now instead of the, the trip being down, now it's up. And it appears to be angelic transportation provided. Back to the main point. Paul has a desire to depart. What he's saying is, I'd rather die because I know where I'm headed. I'm going when I leave this body to be with the Lord. And it's better by far. Would you believe some Christians don't believe that. I've talked to Christians over the years. I saw talked to some recently. They don't want to go right now. Some for the right reason, which we'll get to in a minute. But a lot of them for the wrong reason. In my study, I went back through highlights from reading not too long ago, Randy Alcorn's book called Heaven. I enjoyed it the first time. I enjoyed going back and looking at the things I highlighted, and I highlighted quite a bit. For example, he starts out in his introduction. The sense that we will live forever somewhere has shaped every civilization in human history. Australian aborigines pictured heaven as a distant island beyond the western horizon. The early Finns thought it was an island in the faraway east. Mexicans, Peruvians, and Polynesians believed that they went to the sun or the moon after death. Native Americans believed that in the afterlife, their spirits would hunt the spirits of buffalo. Fire. 
Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this series called New Testament Highlights, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again, the truth of God's Word shines brightly into a dark world. The New Testament highlights that Jesus' life and ministry was a shining light into the Roman-oppressed nation of Israel. In addition, the bright testimony of the apostles amidst opposition proved that there are always opportunities to be light in a dark world. Are you sinking into despair about the heaviness that surrounds you with the events and circumstances that seem to get worse? You might wonder if there's any end in sight. Well, keep your chin up and keep your eyes fixed on the promises of God. He'll never leave you, and that can be a shining beacon of hope. We trust that this teaching has given you a renewed sense of what to live for and what's to come, as you're reminded of other people who are great examples of living out their faith. If you'd like to hear this message again, you'll find it at ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll be able to stay up to date on the latest things happening and know when new videos are uploaded. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Living Word.